Town. Hey, how we doing? He's blank. I'm Brad. I'm it's Joe George, flag assistant the to the flag. regional manager behind the glass. Ball there is a flag on the play. It was. It was a absolute false start. I kept looking at the wrong yeah. mic. More delay a game, I think, than false start. Yeah, he didn't jump early. Yeah, but uh, True. He, he was uh, he was a little late. Uh, but but maybe you're a back judge, Joe, that gives you all the way till it's like zero for like three blinks. Because a lot of times we see that in football. We're like, yep. the play clock will hit zero, and then they don't throw a flag. They wait like three beats, and then it's like, okay, play's on. We're good. So we're just going gonna to roll with that. We're going to roll with that. Uh, I'm in a good mood, as you might I'm a little tired yeah. because I, I had some celebratory gentle bends last night, but I'm in a good mood. Hopefully it's the start of the uh, a good Houston sports weekend. Houston winning on that Hail Mary yesterday. Maybe the Texans can beat the New Orleans Saints on Sunday, and then the Astros taking on the Arlington Rangers in game one of the ALCS on Sunday. I can't wait for this series, Blankers. I, I, I'm i fired up for this because you already have the rivalry of you know Houston and Arlington. You already have the rivalry of the whole silver boot, if we want to call it a rivalry. But if, it, it intensified this year for sure because the Rangers were good and you had some drama. Like You had some games that had some high stakes. You had some games that meant a lot. You had the Astros chasing the Rangers all year. Then the Astros went into Arlington in the final series that they played against each other. And the Astros swept the Rangers in Arlington. They took over first place. We know that the Rangers would eventually jump them, but then the Astros edged them out in Game 162. We saw the drama with Marcus Simeon and Martin Maldonado and Fromber Valdez. Uh, I also think that the American League West, at least from like a top three team perspective, is the best division in base in the American League. How could you argue it if the Astros and the and the Rangers are playing in the ALCS? I am fired up for this series that is full of storylines. Everywhere you look. Well, me too. I think it's extremely exciting. And, you know, as much as we poo-poo on this whole silver boot that's been going on for years and the the lack of magnitude in it normally and, and how uneventful it is, this just ratchets everything up so much more because there's been so much smack talking all year. There's been the talk of the Rangers and their fans when they got out to the early lead in the division that, you know, this was the new day dawning and the Astros were done and all this and that. And then you had the series late in the year where the Astros handed in their breakfast, lunch, and dinner in a very jubilant fashion. And you thought, well, you know, this is going to be a real interesting stretch run down, down to the final games. As it went, the Rangers tripped all over themselves and you walked right into a division title. And now here you are basically probably not assuming that you would see each other again this season but here you are in the American League Championship Series with all the chips in the middle and everything on the line. Should be very, very fun to watch. Super entertaining. And there's so, the storylines are plenty. We'll get to some of those in a second here, too. What are your favorite storylines of this series? 713-780-ESPN. HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Both of these teams are really good. Like, like the Astros, they have this tendency of being able to flip the switch. And we, all, we, keep, we keep saying that. The Astros flip the switch in the playoffs. They they still won the division. Like they're still the division champions in the American League West. It wasn't maybe to our expectations in the regular season, but they still did enough to win the division, get a bye through the wild card series, which might you know depending on how you look around Major League Baseball might be a disadvantage to get a bye uh, from the wild card series. But then you take care of business against Minnesota. All Texas has done is eliminate teams from the AL East. They defeated Tampa in Tampa, swept them in the best of three, and then they swept Baltimore in the best of five. So both of these teams are good. Both of these teams are playing very, very well. And quite frankly, I think that this this series between Houston and Arlington is the biggest 
Texas series we've seen in sports since 1995. Because the stakes are similar. 1995, Rockets, Spurs, Akeem, David Robinson. Robinson won the MVP. Akeem abused them in the Western Conference Finals. Those those two series, the one in 95, Houston and, and San Antonio, and this one between Houston and Arlington are the two biggest sports series professionally that we've ever seen in the state of Texas. Now, a lot of people would say the seven-game series with the Mavs and the Rockets would be in the conversation. But the but the, not the, a conference final. No, and also the seventh game was so uneventful, it was it, it was, was nauseating a, when they got blown out by 40. I mean, that was so weird. Yeah, there were the positives of the Rydham Cowboy McGrady dunk on Sean Bradley and some of the big wins, but when you... When there was so anticlimactic in Game Seven, you kind of go, "Yeah, I'd like to forget about that one more than say it was a big series." So you're right. Yeah, the 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 '95 series against the Spurs was massive, and the whole Robinson with the MVP and then Dream showing him the the triple Dream Shake was awesome. But this one, you, you can't get enough of, and you can't wait for it to begin because there's all kind. It's dripping with drama, as you mentioned. There is a true rivalry now when in the past it really hasn't been because when the Rangers were good, the Astros weren't, and now vice and then vice versa. And now you've got all the drama within the season itself and all of the bad blood and the yapping and the talking and all the stuff that you you love and I love too. The drama is going to be there, and that's what gonna, is going to ratchet this thing up another level. What's your favorite storyline in this series? Um, I really, you know what, I, I think that, we don't know if Scherzer's going to start or not. And I, it would be obvious to say, well, you know, Scherzer and Verlander, but I don't know. They're not going to match up. And, and I don't think that's as big of a deal. It, to me, it's really going to be the continuation of the Simeon Maldi thing and the fact that that kind of stirred everybody up. I think everybody's now on edge. And I don't think that you're going to have the liberties that you might otherwise have of the, every high and tight is going to be evaluated. And, and I think everything's going to involve a conversation. And I think that's something that's going to be, I'm going to have my eye on it because. That Simeon Maldonado thing got pretty heated at a time, but I don't think it's over. Yeah, I don't think that that stuff carries over into the postseason, though. Like, I think the animosity carries over yeah. in the postseason, but in terms of, like, proving a message in a in an ALCS oh. game, I don't think you're going to see pitchers throwing at hitters. Now, I think it's going to be contentious. I think it's going to be heated. I think we're going to see a lot of drama between these two teams. But unless you get into a spot where, like, it's a five-run game either way, I would be very, very surprised if you get either side throwing at the other side uh, in this game. For me, the biggest storyline my favorite storyline anyways is the fact that you have the city rivalry here like we we always talk about the rivalry of the city like houston versus other city houston versus dallas and basketball houston versus san antonio in this case it's houston versus arlington like that to me is the best storyline here is that you have houston arlington for a trip to the World Series. Like, mm-hmm. this is stuff that only happens like once in a generation type of stuff. So, that to me is my favorite storyline. I also like the Dusty Baker, Bruce Bochy yeah. storyline. Yeah. Like, we talk a lot about, well, analytics and you need a new school manager, do you? Like, Dusty Baker's had tremendous amount of success, won the World Series last year. Texas goes and hires Bruce Bochy. He turns that clubhouse around. And yes, they have tons of talent, but that, that team wasn't very good last year. They weren't winning a whole lot of games. Bruce Bochy comes into town and all of a sudden, they're playing in the ALCS with a trip to the World Series on the line. And then look at the NL. Like, Philly's got Robbie Thompson, like who's a baseball lifer, who's a little bit old. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce the Arizona Diamondbacks name. Tony, Tony Lovato. Tony Lovato. But he's got Jeff Bannister on his staff. He's got Brent Strom on his staff. Like, that's another staff that is full of experience. So, I'm I'm pretty... Not that Dusty and Bruce Bochy are going to determine this series by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's... T- 
awesome that you have two baseball lifers, senior citizens, that are going toe-to-toe like the old-school rivalry they had back in San Francisco and San Diego with a trip to the World Series on the line. I think that's a really cool, underrated storyline in this series. It is, and, and I think that kind of in terms of extending that a little further, this is the end-all, be-all that decides who did get supremacy in the division, who's going to who's going to maintain the throne going forward in this division because it used to be the Rangers for quite a while. And then the Astros kind of laid claim to the to the throne, and they haven't given it up. And now, because of all the contentious back and forth and the way that the Astros took the division from them on the last game of the regular season, now this is the end-all, be-all. This will decide it for the year in, in more ways than one. One, you win the final series of the year between the two teams, and two, you get a trip to the World Series to boot. So it, the intensity there and the drama there is absolutely fantastic. Joe, do you have a, uh, a favorite storyline? Houston versus Arlington at the top of my list. Uh, Blankers mentioned in the, the Verlander match, which is one of my storylines too, but I, I agree with you. I don't think they're, they're going to match up. I do think that Max Scherzer is going to start games in this series, mm-hmm. though, at least one. Uh, Bruce Bochy was talking about how he threw a, a simulated game. I think they, he got up to 60, 65 pitches. They were, they were giving him the whole up-down process, too, where he was sitting down, coming back out in the simulated game. I expect him to start either game three or game four, to be like quite honest. I just don't know how many pitches he has. Like It might be a three-inning, 50-pitch type of start. But still, uh, Max Scherzer in this series does add some drama, adds some storylines, and adds some excitement. What do you got, Joe? He, he was asked about the uh, that, that rehab stint or like the simulated game, and he said that it wasn't like a normal simulated game because he was so hungover. Yeah. So maybe – so who, who knows how helpful it was. I think the storyline, it's, it's clearly – it's just it's Houston versus Arlington, Dallas – because no, I mean, no, 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 no. I'm not letting you get away with that. It is well, not. This is not a Houston-Dallas thing. That Arlington not is not within spitting distance of Dallas. Yeah, I it know, is Houston they, versus Arlington. But they, but then it doesn't matter because there's no real rivalry with Arlington. There's a huge rivalry with Arlington. The Houston Texans, the Arlington Cowboys, the Houston Astros, the Arlington Rangers. Fair, fair. There, there's more rivalry with Houston Arlington I mean, than there is Houston Dallas. Check by the, the tax records and the property documents. They are on the same piece of property, and they're both in Arlington. All right, so Houston versus South Oklahoma. Uh, I, I think it's very it's it's cool to see stuff like this. Like how often? You know, when was the last time we saw Mets Yankees play in a series that actually mattered? When, when Clemens was throwing the broken bat at Mike Piazza. It, exactly. <laughs> it's been so long since like a Subway series or a Crosstown Classic or anything like that has actually mattered in any substantial way. So I think that's what this is. It's the best storyline, and frankly, I just think it's also it's the best storyline of the postseason because there's nothing about the other side like between the matchup. That like gets me excited. Uh, the one matchup that gets me excited, and uh, to me, it's the, the the proximity of these two organizations for sure at the top of my list. One matchup that I get excited about. It's not so much like hitter versus pitcher. To me, it's the the Martin Maldonado Marcus Simeon rivalry, where you had Martin Maldonado saying, "You know, this is going to be like Oakland," and Simeon, quite frankly, crushed the Astros all season mm-hmm. long. Marcus Simeon went nuts against the Houston Astros, so I am fascinated with Marcus Simeon against Houston Astros pitching. I'm fascinated with Marcus Simeon not only against Houston Astros pitching, but who's the guy that guides the Astros through this brilliant pitching performance after pitching performance. It's Martin Maldonado. So that's a game within the game that I am fascinated by. Simeon versus Maldonado. And then if you want to throw in the stable of pitchers that are included with Martin Maldonado, you can certainly do that. I think the other thing, too, is how do the Rangers pitch or not pitch to Jordan? And how do they handle Altuve and Jordan? And then how do the Astros pitchers 
handle the two big sticks in the lineup for the Rangers, which would be Seager and Simeon, because those two guys are the engine that make it all go for the Rangers. And at the top of the lineup, those guys guys have been devastating all season long. That lineup is that lineup's scary. That lineup that lineup's good one through nine. The weakest spot of that lineup might be the three hole. Like that's how stupid that lineup is. And we'll talk about uh, all of this in great detail today. We're going to be heavy ALCS with the the series coming up on Sunday, which you can listen to on ESPN at ninety seven five ESPN at ninety two five. Todd Callis, the of Houston Astro TV voice, he's going to be joining us too to break down this matchup and also go over the ALDS. We need to get Todd's thoughts on the Astros beating the twins he'll join us at 4 30 we're giving you winners we've been killing it on bz money we're legitimately killing it we're giving away some winners at 345 who said it coming coming up at five o'clock today and then dj b enemy covers the texans for espn he'll be joining us at 3 30 what are your favorite storylines of the houston astros and the arlington rangers game one of the alcs on sunday also let's talk about the astros rotation because i feel good about the Astros rotation, playoff rotation, for the first time in quite a while. 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line, if you want to get in. 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel. Joe over there is at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham on the Twitter. We are the Killer Beasts on ESPN97.5 and ESPN92.5. I've been, I've been in the gym this week. Can you tell? Can you tell with these guns? Sun's out, guns out. Iron 24 Fitness and Recovery is helping me out uh, with the whole gym process. And I'm excited for this because like many of you, I haven't really focused or prioritized me, my body, working out for a while now. But that's over thanks to Iron 24 Fitness and Recovery. It's a new kind of gym that's perfect for me. I think it'd be perfect for you, too. 24-7 access, which is perfect for our busy schedules. You get a workout in when you can get a workout in. 24-7 makes it easier. Uh, Personally, I don't like contracts. I don't like hidden fees. I don't like dealing with people. I don't want a gym tour. I don't want sales calls. In fact, I ignore all of them. And I don't want to have to worry about any of that and I don't have to when I'm at Iron 24 Fitness and Recovery. It's all 100% digital, which is even the opening the door is digital, which is awesome. Every Iron 24 facility has everything you need, free weights, machines, cardio. They have all the, the, the weights in the world. I mean, I, I take it take it for me. Uh, it's ideal. Tons of space, everything you need to get a good workout in without people bothering you. Also, for your post-workout, how about this? Signature recovery rooms with infrared saunas. You'll love that. Iron 24 Fitness and Recovery with four locations in Houston. More coming soon. I go to the one in Conroe, a couple of Pearland locations, one in Lake Jackson, and more on their way. Sugarland and Magnolia, in fact, are, are enrolling right now. Another great perk is that members get universal 24-7 access to any location you want. Also, for a limited time, participating Iron 24 locations are offering new member ESPN listeners two weeks free with zero down when you join the Iron 24 app. Take advantage of that. Go to iron24.com slash ESPN, iron24.com slash ESPN, and get started with Iron 24 Fitness and Recovery today. DJ B enemy in uh, 12 minutes break down Texans Saints can they get a win Sunday ahead of the bye but what are your favorite storylines of the ALCS is it Houston Arlington is it Maldi Simeon is it Verlander Scherzer although I don't think they're going to pitch against one another uh, 713-780-ESPN HRMP listener line 713-780-3776 uh, Stroh's guy on Twitter he said Dusty Baker versus my right fist going through my wall <laughs> so some people aren't Dusty I trusty even though he's the most decorated manager in Houston Astros history. Um, Chris from Sam Houston pointed this out to me, and I I found it on Twitter during the break, too. You know how mayors usually make bets ahead of big sports series? Do you know who Sylvester Turner made the bet with in the ALCS? 
the mayor of Arlington. Mm. He made the bet with the mayor of Arlington. This is a Houston-Arlington rivalry. This is not a Houston-Dallas rivalry. 713-780-ESPN. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Austin, you're in the high with the Killer Bees. What's up, Austin? Howdy, guys. How's it going? Howdy. Hey, man, how are you? I'm doing pretty good myself. So, one thing I've loved seeing so far is that every single team in the playoffs that had a bye week, except for Houston, got swept. So, seeing Texas sweep the Orioles and going on to play the Astros, Honestly, I'm looking forward to the Simeon Maldonado rivalry. That's going to be awesome to watch because my Texas Rangers are coming home to the World Series and we're taking it all the way. Have a good day. Appreciate it. I like that. That was cute, Austin. You got a capital city name and then you went to your Texas for the state and you're a Rangers fan. That's cool. That um, Yeah, it's real neat. Uh, the, the, the point he brings up, though, about the rest of the playoffs, like there has been a lot of conversation about is this wild card series and all the days off for the teams that get buys? Is it advantageous? Is it is it a disadvantage for all of these teams? What do you, what do you feel about that? I think that I still consider it a luxury that you don't have to grind it out and run the risk of not even seeing what the divisional series is like. I think that you saw a team like the Astros that are just true professionals that you know you've heard and read and seen some of the stories about how they motivate each other. How they Verlander even said post game how these guys just don't let you let up and they make sure that you get your work in and you do the kind of things that you need to do to stay focused, stay ready, and, and be ready for the next game of the next series. And I think that's credit to them because I don't want to screw around with a wild card series where you could stub your toe in a short series and you could be going home. And we saw that happen with the Orioles, with the Dodgers, and with the Bra- with the Braves where you go, Man, I mean, I don't know if you just didn't know how to handle your business because you look at the Braves and the Dodgers and you look at their best hitters and, you know, MVP candidates and former MVPs when you go to Betts and Freeman and Acuna and these guys, and they just disappeared, whereas the Astros guys continue to keep on raking and Jordan and Altuve and those guys. So credit to the Astros, but I think it's a lot of it is internal, too, about how do you handle yourself and prepare yourself for when you do play again. And it just seemed like they didn't do a very good job. Yeah, I'd rather have the bye than, than not. But I do think that the I think that there are some built-in disadvantages for the teams that have the buys. Quite frankly, uh, this is there's been two years now with the six-team model and teams wild card teams that advance are five and three in series against teams that had the buy. Baseball is a repetition sport. Not seeing live pitching for six days, I think, is an advantage to the team who advances out of the wild card. Now, you still have to play a 50-50 series, a best of three. So, yeah, I don't want to be any part of that. But whoever advances 5-3 and three against the team that had the bye, they also have played in playoff games. So, like, they're not going to be... Not that anybody's scared of the moment, but they've experienced a playoff series literally days before they open up a division series. They've had the repetition of facing live pitching, and I know that they try to get live pitching, like this live BP stuff. It's not the same. It's not the same as facing real pitching in a real baseball game. So I think the repetition comes into play. And also, I don't think it's a disadvantage for the wild card team with how they use their pitching, because look at the Twins. The Twins were still able to use Pablo Lopez in Game 2, and he was going to pitch in Game 5. So their A still gets to pitch twice. How many times was Verlander going to get to pitch? 
twice. Sonny Gray, their number two pitcher, he pitched once. Fromber pitched once. So there's not a huge disadvantage if you can win that wild card round. And you could also argue that it's it's an, an advantage because you've had the repetition. You're not losing out on any of your starters pitching in actual games. The one thing that I would do to fix it is I would either I would start the division series on Friday. It's that simple. I would start the division series on Friday so there's one less day for these wild card teams to get ready and get their pitching into order. Because now Pablo Lopez would go game three. Now Sonny Gray would go game four. Now their ace can only throw once. Their number two is only going to throw once. So I think it gives the number one and number two seeds that, that advantage that they should have, that they deserve to have, because they were the top two teams in that particular league. Now, how do you get to a Friday? You could either play a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday wild card series and don't have the travel day unless you sweep. Or you could play a Tuesday Wednesday doubleheader. No, I just like want to. I just want to start the division series on Friday. I think that would fix everything. I think that levels the playing field, or at least gives the advantage that you're supposed to have if you did handled your business enough to win the division and get the buy. I think that that could actually be beneficial. But when you look across Major League Baseball in the playoffs this year, just look at you know even in the wild card round, look at how many home teams that had, that hosted all the games got bounced. And look at how they, they couldn't handle their business. Look at Tampa with the season that they had and how quickly they were eliminated. And on the flip side, if you come into a wild card and you do what the Rangers did, you're riding riding a wave of momentum. And momentum means a lot in baseball because it's confidence. And guys come in with a swag and they feel like you know they can hit everything and catch everything and, and, and pitch better than everybody. And they come in with that extra confidence and you see it carry over to what the Rangers were capable were able to do against the Orioles and the best record in the American League. They came in riding high and feeling good about themselves, and they never looked back. They pounded the Orioles. They swept them, and momentum is a big thing when you start talking about rest versus rust. That's the one big key that I think you get out of this if you come out of the wild card round hot. To me, it's to me, it's the live pitching more than anything, and and then the disadvantage of not, you don't have the disadvantage of of your pitching staff being gassed. Like if if your ace is still pitching twice in a five game series, you're not losing anything. So just start the division series Friday, however you get there, and I, I think that you now have that. Like the bigger advantage of what the buy team should have. Uh, what are you, what are your favorite storylines? Astros, Rangers, seven one six nine four zero nine. Josh, a bigger storyline to me is if the Rangers can turn this into a true rivalry, or if the Astros dominate and it remains an in-state competition. Uh, Astros, they won the series nine to four this year against the Rangers, even though the Rangers won the first uh, two of three in their series in April. Which it's weird. I went back and. Uh, I went back and looked at uh, actually watched the condensed games of every every game they played this year. Some of the teams, some of the starting pitchers the Astros used this year would blow your mind uh, of what they used against the Rangers. They used Brandon Belak in a game. They used Sean Dubin in a game. They used Ronel Blanco in a game. It's pretty crazy the amount and then who the Astros used as starting pitching. But even though the Astros won nine of thirteen, these games were nuts. Like you would have uh, the Astros led one game by eight runs. They led eight nothing. It was a Christian Javier game. They led eight to nothing. They led ten to two. Rangers come all the way back to, uh, I believe, they took the lead in the bottom of the eighth, only for the Astros to rally and win. It was in Arlington, wasn't it? Yeah, that was yeah. one in Arlington. The the uh, all of the no 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 yeah yeah that one yeah, was Arlington. Yeah. All of these games have been crazy. Like mm-hmm. they've they've either been crazy, they've been slugfest. Now the last series, the Astros kind of just dominated. That was the Jose Altuve went pound. nuts. Yep. That was a bit of a pounding. But prior to that, all of these games were really competitive. They were wild. They were crazy. Uh, some of them had some bench clearing, uh, yeah. not brawls, but the benches cleared at times. Well, you like to see that because that makes it a true rivalry. And I, I, I think to to Josh's text, look, I think it's already there. Regardless if the Astros end up prevailing in this series or not. 
The rivalry's there because the teams aren't going anywhere. You know that they signed these massive deals to lock up Simeon and Seager, and then they just went all out this entire offseason into the season itself with all the different contracts they brought in and all the different pitchers that they added. And, you know, they lose DeGrom a- after throwing, what, one half of one start or, or basically one start to, to another Tommy John. But then they went out and traded for Scherzer, and you got those two guys, but then you also traded for Montgomery, and you got Uvalde already, which you paid a lot of money to. So the money is there in bunches showing you that the Rangers aren't going anywhere. And we already highlight how this golden era of Astros baseball is far from over. So as much as you just want to poo-poo on it because of the rivalry in state, I get it. It is a rivalry because now you're playing in a really big series after being division rivals and going right down to the wire this year. 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line. DJ Bienname covers the Houston Texans for ESPN.com. He's going to give us all the insight on what we need to know as the Texans host the Saints on Sunday. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Basketball season is here. Uh, we've already seen some preseason games in uh, in the pros. College basketball is going to be here in a couple of weeks as well. And, look, high school basketball is probably starting up soon. AAU is year-round. You probably have a kid that either plays AAU, middle school, high school, or wants to. And you need to make sure that they have all of the advantages that they need, like a goal at their house, a goal in their driveway. And if you're going to get a goal in your driveway, the only answer is a goal from Pro Dunk because they make the highest quality basketball goals you'll find. You can trust them. They're not going to break on you. The rim's not going to rust. They're not going to get knocked over by a 10-mile-per-hour wind. The goals at Pro Dunk are better than anything you'll find at the big box stores. They have a tempered glass backboard that gives you the true, authentic feel like you see in the, the gyms and the arenas. They have stainless steel hardware. It's rust-proof, which is huge in Houston. Breakaway rim, too, and also height-adjustable. If you're going to have a breakaway rim, you better make it height-adjustable. Anywhere from 5 feet to 10 feet. You know, Maybe you got a little one that still can't quite get it up to 10 feet, need to lower it down to about 6 or 7, you can do that. Or you just want to throw down some jams. You can do that. Anywhere from 5 feet to 10 feet. Also, their accessories are next level. How about the LED light kits for night play? This is huge, so you can, one, see at night. But you work. You get home late. Kids are at school. Get these LED light kits so you can play at night. Backstop nets. You don't have to chase the basketball everywhere. Pull pad lettering and lots more. You can also order professional installation online. Maybe you're not a handyman. Well, you don't have to worry about it. You just get the pros from Pro Dunk to professionally install your goal. Perfect height, perfectly straight. You don't lift a finger. Let the pros at Pro Dunk do all of the work for you. Give them a call at 281-351-9822 and visit ProDunk.com. That's ProDunk.com. Let's go straight out to the HRP guest line. Welcome in our guest, DJ Bayanime, who covers the Texans for ESPN.com. DJ, I got to start with this, this running game for the Houston Texans. It, it struggled. Uh, Damian Pierce has had a tough time behind a patchwork offensive line. It looks like this week might be the first week that the Texans start the same offensive line for a second time uh, all year. Devin Singletary's been a little bit better in terms of yards per carry, but didn't touch the ball once in, in terms of a carry against Atlanta. How do they get this running game going, DJ? I think now that we're going to be the first week where they have back-to-back, they have back-to-back continuity. Um, in terms on the O line, mm-hmm. in the sense of it's the same group from week to week. Because uh, I think this is going to be the first time that ever happened, right? Because even week one, right, they, they're as healthy as you could be in some capacity in the Laramie, missed the next three weeks. So, and then the following week, we had Josh Jones, and then he got hurt, you know, and then he had missed some time. So, I would say uh, that's a big part of it. You know, there's been a lot of like speculation about 
is Damian Pierce a fit for the scheme? Or it's not that like at all. Like I've talked to players, they they don't subscribe to that at all. You know, I'm talking off the record, right? So like you know, they can keep they can shoot it. You know, people want it. They're like, nah, it ain't that. I think they were just like it's just a combination of like. You know, with the O-line play, a lot of it is chemistry continuity. So, like, you know, if a guy is trying to work, you know, if a guy is trying to work up to the mic, let's say from, like, the left tackle spot, right, um, and he's trying to get to, like, the outside linebackers that might be in a box that's not actually, like, in the five-tech or whatever. I'm just going to throw some hypothetical, right? And, like, the left, tack- the, um, the left tackle and the left guard, they want to double-team the end. And then you work up, right, like, there's, like, a synergy and a – Chemistry that has to be there, that has to be established, so you can do that effectively and do that within a timely manner. Cause everything happens so fast, right? There's been a bunch of times where the line blocks the right, but Damian might press the track a little bit too, press tick too long, and then the hole's not there anymore. Or Damian does it right, but the double team doesn't work well. Or sometimes you know defense makes a really good play. So I think it's a combination of all that, right? To where like a lack of continuity on both sides has really affect the run game. Yeah, like David Devin Singletary, his yards per carry average has been better, but like he's still under four, right? And like if that's not like Devin's thing, right? Because Devin in Buffalo, I think he averaged well over four each year. He had at least seven hundred yards rushing with very limited touches, you know. So um, I would say that. It has to be a combination of that in some capacity, right? Uh, it's the entire continuity from the O-line to the run game, marrying, having a marriage together that's the thing. DJ, I'm curious now because as much as the running game has struggled, after giving up 11 sacks in the first two weeks, they've righted the ship and then some haven't given up a sack in the last two weeks. And they played some good defenses along the way. They played the pass rush of the Steelers. They played they played the Ravens in week one. But the Saints' defense is different. They're top four overall. They bring in pass rush. They still have guys in the secondary like Lattimore and the Honey Badger. Is this the toughest defense that the Texans will have faced so far this year? And what are the biggest challenges with them coming in to face C.J. Stroud and company? Yeah, that's a good question because um, I've talked to some players. Some believe that the Falcons' defense was better. We'll see. Um, we'll see. I think like they they like they they like you know what the whole tie. I think they think like something like okay, like the Saints are better at the linebacker spot, but it's fairly the same on the back end and up front. I would say that, in my opinion, yeah, I think the Saints defense is the best, and and the reason why I think it's the best is for reasons that um, some of the players didn't really like allude to. It's the fact that they can. This is going to be the week where we really find out about the receiving core, right? Like, they've had some really good moments, right? Like, against the Jags, and against the Steelers, and against the Colts. But this group really challenges, like, you know, their, their secondary is, like, top, top tier. Like, that's towards the top in terms of press coverage. Towards the top, especially on third down, right? And third down is the money down, and... They're going to challenge you. They're going to be up in your face. So you're going to have to separate. So I think in a sense, since this is a timing-based offense, right, like a lot of offenses are timing-based, but this one's really precious that, as you see, like a lot where like CJ will throw a ball before a guy even gets out of his break, right? So this defense is going to try to disrupt that. And you saw a little bit of those cracks against 
the Falcons where a lot of guys, not they weren't open, but the line went up really, really tight. So I think it's going to be a, a better, uh, just as good of a test. Because I would say that the Falcons' corner, that the two duos, they're really good, right? Jeff A.J. Terrell, but so the Saints got Marcus Lattimore and Taylor, number one. Like, he's a pretty good corner. And then you have Tyron Matthews on the back end. you got Marcus May on the back end. So those two guys, you know, like that secondary is really good too. So it's going to be a really big challenge. And for Bobby, slowly to free his guys up, whether they were some bunch sets, there were some stack sets to get some easy releases, some easy access, right? Because all the press is trying to do is disrupt the time. It's similar to like what you kind of saw with the Chargers in Miami on that Sunday night game in 2021 in December where, like, you know, a lot of teams started to, the Chargers put a lot of, they're pressing tight, you know, they're pressing Jalen Waddle off of the motion, off of the, uh, you know, off of the motion, at the line of scrimmage to try to disrupt some of that timing. So I'm really interested in front what game plan Bobby Schroeder comes up with to free those guys, and can you marriage running some gap running scheme for Damian Pierce? Because that's what he's better at versus trying to marriage also trying to still get the uh, outside zone running game working so you can run some of those boots that what the outside zone is trying to set up so you can get some of those boots to get guys in space. So yeah, man, it's gonna, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. Like Bobby Schroeder. He's probably the guy that's probably the most valuable guy this week going into the game in terms of setting up a game plan to counteract that. Because I watched some of that New England tape. Those guys were up in the Patriots receiving. They, they're basically calling, running some coverages that are like, our guys are better than your guys. And we want to see your guys try to beat our guys. And we don't think y'all can do it. So I want to see what the game plan, how Bobby Phillips is going to approach that. Because you saw last week how the Falcons played a lot of man and a lot of quarters, because quarters is basically man wants to go vertical. And the receivers weren't as open as you would like. And you saw sometimes people having to hold the ball from time to time. So, yeah, like, because, you know, it's a copycat league. So the Falcons defense had a lot of success with that, right? That was probably CJ's, I thought it was Gary's game, whatever. That was JP. But that was his first game where he didn't look as efficient as he did before throughout the previous three weeks. Yeah, a lot of drop eights from Atlanta that we saw like in third and longs, and the key there, don't get in third and longs, which is easier said than done, and you need the good running game to do that. Uh, DJ Bianame joining us on the HRMP guest line, presented by Houston Powder Coaters and the Gold Nugget. You mentioned all of that, too, because I, I had the same respect for the Saints' defense, and I, I don't disagree with anything that you had to say. The, the It's not even a counterpoint. It's more of a piggybacking what you said. All of yeah. that, and the Texans might be or going to be without their receiver that might be their best at creating some space. Who has to step up in that receiving room to, to create some weapons for uh, for C.J. Stroud on Sunday? Noah Brown going to have to step up. Robert Woods going to have to step up. And then, most importantly, Nico have to step up. Um, I think that's, that, that's what it comes down to. Like Those guys are going to have to answer the call. Um, mainly Nico, right? You know, if Nico wants to be viewed as a number one wide receiver, he has to, you know, we can't have the, you go for 141 week, the next week you go for under, you go for under 40. We can't, like, number one wide receivers don't do that, right? Justin Jefferson, like, he's not going for crazy for, like, 151 week and then 40 in the next week. You know, same with Tyree Hill, like, the best, the best they don't do that, regardless of what coverage you play. So, obviously, you know, as me and Nico, I did my feature on him last week, he was very candid. He was like, He's still trying to 
figure out that level of consistency, right? Because we've seen it, right? You, you, you see the highs, and then you see the lows. And that's okay. Probably growing. He's only in year three. So it's a lot of it's going to come down to can these receivers separate. And if they can, now we can look for, look up, we can look for big games. If we can't, it's going to be a struggle. And it's going to be times where you're going you're gonna to really need the run game to work this week. So you don't have to rely on your receivers having necessarily get open a bunch, right? Uh, so that's what I would say. It's going to be a lot on the wide receiver core and being able to get that run game going. DJ, we always appreciate your time. Enjoy Sunday's matchup and then, I guess, get a little bit of rest on the bye week. All right, no problem. It's DJ B. Anime covers the uh, the Houston Texans for ESPN.com. Our conversations is always presented by Houston Powder Coders and the Golden Nugget. You know what the Killer Bees have been doing? We've been killing the game. BZ Money, we've been dominating. We've been handing out winners. We're 18-6-1 against the spread this year. We're plus $935 from an opening bankroll of one grand. We're going to hand out winners again when we return. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Guys, before we go to the break, a message from my bookie. I tell you all the time, if you want to put money down on a sporting event, the place to go to do it is mybookie.ag because when the money's on the line, you want to go to a trusted sports book that gives you the tools to win like my book. They've been in business for over a decade. They're not going anywhere, and neither is your money. That means when you put it in, it's going to be safe and secure. When you want to take it out, it's there for you as well, and they have tons of promos as well. So it doesn't matter if your team is up or down. You can easily cash out or bet the game live and come out on the winning side. Use my bookie for daily odds boosts, same-game parlays, and take advantage of huge prize pool contests as well. Every single sack, fumble, and touchdown is another chance to hit a payday. Go get started right now. Go to mybookie.ag. On your first deposit, use the promo code BET975 that I always tell you about. You can grab a deposit match up to $1,000. It's fantastic. Promo code is always key. Remember it at all times, BET975. Once you're signed up, try the MyBookie money bag to grab all sorts of crazy long shot odds. Like plus 7,000? Are you kidding me? They have money bag bets for college football, for NFL, for NBA, basically every sport. You won't find odds like that anywhere else telling you right now, get started before the weekend does. Therefore, you can get in on all the college football action, all the baseball action, and all the NFL. Go to mybookie.ag and use that promo code BET975 for a welcome bonus right now. I always tell you this, and I'll tell you again. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with the only place I tell you to do it. It's mybookie.ag. Use that promo code BET975. Spencer doesn't know what he's talking about. Spencer does not know what he's talking about because all we have been doing is winning. We're 18-6-1 against the spread here today. We started off with $1,000 that Mr. Gal gave us. We're over $1,900. we have made $935 this year, legitimately. Go back and we have receipts. Go check the tape. We've been dominating. We've been killing it. That's freaking awesome. Even games that we haven't been playing, we've been winning too. Uh, we're going to keep the hot streak rolling right now. Get your uh, get your phone out. Take notes. Pen and pad. However you want to do it. But we're probably going to win more money for you. So, just what we do. Why don't you start it off, Blankers? What, uh, what game do you want to play here? I'm going to start with Baltimore at Tennessee. I, I looked at, at Tennessee. I still think it's fool's gold. I don't think that they're very good offensively. I know they're still going to try and pound the ball with Derrick Henry, but you're going to find a good defense in Baltimore. And and the fact is, is the Titans, when they get in the red zone, they don't score touchdowns. And I think against Lamar and company, you got to score some touchdowns. Uh, Tennessee tied with the Texans' third worst red zone offense scoring touchdowns, and the Ravens' red zone defense is really, really good. 
I just think that the Ravens get right here. They're on the road. I get it. They're giving four points to the home team. I think the Ravens win by a touchdown. Yeah, I like to fade uh, road favorites. Don't love it. Plus, Baltimore's been meh. Like, you look at Baltimore and what they've done this year. They beat a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud in game one, convincingly. They barely beat Cincy by three. They lost at home to the Colts. They played the Browns and blew them out, but they didn't have Deshaun. And then they lost last week to Pittsburgh. I think Baltimore is Baltimore. I really do. And the fact that they're a home favorite, that scares me. Titans are always in games, and you're giving them four points at home? Uh, this is this was a fade for me. I stayed away from this one. I think I'm staying away from this one, too, mainly because I think Mike Vrabel's realizing that uh, Tajay Spears is his secret weapon on offense a little bit. They're going away from Derrick Henry a little bit more than they have you know, in the past because they have a real other option. I, I like Tennessee in this game to cover. I mean, frankly, I really don't like either side because yeah. I don't really like Tennessee at all, but Baltimore to me hasn't been impressive, so I think this one's a pass. It was a no play for I, I didn't touch this game in the, the games that I played, so looks like we're going to duck this one. Joel, what side were you? You're on Baltimore? I think Baltimore's going to win so we, on the road. we can yeah. track to see if we, we yeah, should have fine. been with you or not. He can scoreboard us next week, which, you know, we've been, even the games we've been passing on, we've been winning mm-hmm. uh, last couple of weeks. First game that I'm going to sell to you guys is the Vegas Raiders at home against the Patriots. I've been on the wrong side of the Patriots all year long, quite frankly. I've been buying into the Bill Belichick. I've been, I've been taking the cheese. I shouldn't have been doing that. The Patriots continue to show us week after week that they are one of the worst football teams in the NFL. They have one of the worst rosters in the NFL, and they keep telling us that. But the only reason the Patriots continue to be like kind of bet up or these spreads aren't outrageous is because of the Bill Belichick factor. I don't care about the Bill Belichick factor anymore. I'm not taking the cheese on Bill Belichick. The the Raiders, I don't think the Raiders are great, but I think the Raiders are a lot better than the Patriots are, and I'm only giving up two and a half points at home. I think the Raiders win this game by double figures. I'd gladly give up the two and a half. Yeah, I, I think that the the luster is finally completely worn off on the Patriots. I think it was embarrassing what they weren't able to do and how badly they looked again last week. I don't think the Raiders are much better. Uh, I think that this is going to be a, a field goal game either way. Um, I don't have a, a real good feel on it because I think both teams are really bad. It's just who's going to play worse. And I know that it's the whole you know game within the game with McDaniel and Belichick. I just, I, I mean, I don't really have a good read on this other than I think, you know, like I said, I think it's going to be decided by less than three points. So at home, I would lean I would lean with the Raiders, but I'll leave it up to you, Joe. I'm good with this one. I think it's a low play just because I think both teams are poor. Frankly, it's Mac Jones and Jimmy Garoppolo, but Christian Gonzalez is out for the season. He was the best player on the Patriots already as a rookie, and Jacoby Myers has had this, like, career resurgence. He is the perfect fit. With the Raiders, Devontae Adams is awesome. So I'm good with the Raiders here on like a a, a 25-er. 25's fine. It's fine by me. Uh, I forgot that that Baltimore-Tennessee game was overseas. Yep. I didn't oh. – I thought it was uh, – yeah, I forgot. I dropped the ball there. There's so many of those. Is that uh, – yeah, I think this is – is this the final week or is there – I think there's one more. I thought this was the last one. I think, I think it's the last of the, the consecutive ones, but I think there's one later in the season. I think there's a Germany. Oh, in Germany. Out. I think there's one in Germany, but I think all these in London. I think yeah. The Dolphins. I think this Chiefs? is the last of like the London series, but I think there is one later this year, although I thought Are Tennessee was at home. Are you telling me Dolphins Chiefs will be played in Germany? 
I swear, I think that's God, right. that would be that would be tough. Does it change your mind at all on uh, the Tennessee Baltimore game? The fact that it's not in Tennessee, but it's overseas. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't really for me either. Right. But uh, yeah, that's an overseas game. Thanks for pointing that out, uh, Twitcher. I, f- I forgot your name. All right, Joe, what are you? Uh, what are you going to pitch to us? Well, it's a big number, but I like big numbers sometimes for really good teams. And San Francisco is a really good team, and Cleveland is going to be led out there by. The fighting PJ Walkers. Up next, <laughs> I'm taking San Francisco by two touchdowns minimum. I think they're going to boat race Cleveland. The like production I, value, I really enjoy. I, I loved. Up next, thank you, Johnny G. I loved the. I loved <laughs> so this one good. at six and a half. Nine and a half was a little scary for me, but no Deshaun. The PJ Walker. What happened to the kid from UCLA? He's not he good. Benched. Do you guys Dorian know DRT? You know, do you know who yeah. Tyler Bagnet is? No. He's a bad football player. Exactly. And he got P.J. Walker cut from the Bears. Wow. So, like, P.J. Walker, not yeah. good. The Bears don't really make great decisions, though. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they have any credibility to use them as a, yeah, this guy is what got P.J. Walker cut. Well, like, they're the same team that traded a second for Chase Claypool. I know. So I don't know if they make the best personnel decisions. I, I don't know San if you Francisco. want to use them to build your case. I'm going to for this case. Yes. They gave away everything for Khalil Mack. That worked out. Yeah. Oh, no, it didn't. People liked that well. originally. I mean, right, right out of the game. Yeah, yeah, right out of the game, they lost that game. That's well, a good I mean, point. I mean, the first yeah, he, played his, he played his tail off against the Packers. And yeah, they lost. I, don't know, I like San Francisco minus nine and a half on the road. It's a big number, so, but I like PJ Walker. I like so. it better at six and a half than nine and a half because it is a big number. But I just feel like whether I don't think Cleveland. Obviously, they don't. They lost Chubb already. You're not no Deshaun. Yeah, Miles Garrett's really good. He can't do it all by himself. I think San Francisco just keeps on rolling. Nine and a half. It's a big number, but I'm willing to go with the Niners. Uh, I made a lot of people in Cleveland mad this week because I've been mocking them and saying that it's all about to unravel because of the Deshaun Watson stuff. He's been cleared to play, but is not going to play for the second straight game because they had the bye, but it's a period of time that consists of three weeks. They're saying that there's something wrong with like the rotator cuff. He was asked today to comment. He's like, I have no comment. He's just soft. I don't like the, yeah. I don't like the way things are shaping up there in Cleveland. The injuries, like you mentioned, they're without their best football player in Nick Chubb, well, their best offensive player in Nick Chubb. Uh, they're, they're playing P.J. Walker at quarterback, and actually, D.J. Anime and I got not into an argument, but a healthy conversation on Twitter because he was like, well, Cleveland's defense is going to keep them into games. I asked him, well, how many games does P.J. Walker or DTR win you? He didn't answer me. He left me on red. He didn't answer that question. Must have not liked that question. Um, I think that, look, as long as Deshaun Watson's out, this offense is going to have difficult time scoring. Like, how many points are they going to score against San Francisco, P.J. Walker? 10 max? If they had 10 Nick points Chubb, max? If they had 13 Nick Chubb, max? If they had Nick Chubb, I wouldn't touch this game. Right? Here's the thing. But like, Jerome Ford? I like Jerome Ford, but I mean, he's not in the same stratosphere yeah. as Nick Chubb. Jerome Ford's a solid backup in the NFL, not the best running back in the league. But the other thing you got to factor in is, yeah, we're talking about how bad the Cleveland offense could be, but then you start talking about Bosa and Fred Werner and that yeah. defense and all the things that they're going to do regardless of who's playing on offense for Cleveland and who eat. Cleveland doesn't have. They're going to feast. Yeah. So what do you guys think? I don't love big numbers, but this is. I, I think that the Bear, I think that the Browns get hammered. I think that I think the San Fran wins this by at least two touchdowns. So I like it. I like it, but I don't love putting a lot of money on big numbers. 30? 30. That's what I was thinking. That's cool. I'm down with that. All right, Blankers, your second game. All right, my second game is another one where I think that a favorite's going to roll and I just think as much as we just got done naming P.J. Walker and others that no one knows at quarterback, Zach Wilson is that quarterback for the Jets and I don't think he's good at all. And I think that the Eagles are going to come in and they are going to take advantage of a beat-up offensive line that wasn't good to start with, that lost their best offensive lineman this week with the Jets. And I think that when you see Jalen Carter and you see all those guys on defense, 
they're going to feast as well. And I think that they're going to eat up the Jets. I know the Eagles are giving up seven, but I think the Eagles are going to win this game by double di- double digits. I just think they get right. They get the running game going as well. Uh, Jalen Hurts plays well, and I, and I firmly believe that the Eagles win by more than a touchdown. The uh, Jalen Carter got an injury designation late in the week, and they're saying his status is questionable there. No, he got ruled out today. Did he get ruled Did out he? officially? I didn't see that. So that's significant. This was already a game that I was staying away from. Like, I actually think the Jets' defense keeps them in games. Uh, I think that they're going to try to do enough offensively to try to, like, sneak out some wins. I actually think the Jets have played some pretty good football the last couple of weeks, even with Zach Wilson. You know, they hung in the Kansas City game, although Kansas City keeps everybody around, it seems like. Watch yesterday's game. But then they go on the road last week and win. Uh, a number... You're getting seven points at home that defense Zach Wilson starting to play a little bit better now Jalen Carter being ruled out I, this is a game where I'm also not touching I'm good with this one I think the Eagles boat race him as well I just think Zach Wilson's gonna give the ball too much I think it's another low play just because we are, we're a little split on it but I'm going with the 25 around the Eagles it's fine all right, Cincinnati at home against Seattle. Cincinnati started the season off poorly like they normally do. It's what the Bengals do. They're like they're like Kyle Tucker at the start of the year. They start poorly, then they come around. Joe Burrow's getting healthier and healthier. Jamar Chase went nuts last week. Cincinnati's only giving two and a half points at home against Seattle. I think because the Bengals are starting to trend up again, starting to look more like the Bengals, I'll, I'll gladly give the Cincinnati two and a half points. I'm taking the Bengals to win by a touchdown at home this weekend. Yeah, I, I looked at this one as well. I am a little leery of the fact that Seattle's blitz happy and their defense is still solid as much as I don't believe in Geno. But I believe the Bengals know that there's a sense of urgency, that they got to get right quick to try and make up for all the lost ground when Burrow was hurt and they were playing bad. And I think we saw a little of that, as you mentioned, last week. I like the Bengals at home here. Agreed. I'm good with this one. What do you guys want to go on it? $40. I'm fine with that. I support that. Yep. What's your last one, Joe George? All right. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are frauds. They beat the Vikings, the Bears, the Saints, three teams that are not good, and they lost 25-11 to the Philadelphia Eagles. I think Baker Mayfield's a fraud. I think the Buccaneers are frauds. I like Detroit minus three on the road. This is another game that I didn't touch. Um, Tampa's been playing better than a lot of people think Tampa was going to play. Tampa Bay's defense defense also is legitimate, and they're a home dog. They're a home dog. Like I could see them being in this game. I could see this being a tight game. Uh, This is one that I personally stayed away with. I only bet like five games this week. I I think Detroit's still going to win the football game by more than a field goal, but I think that the, the one thing that does make me a little leery is Detroit's a little dinged up. We, we know that they're going to be down an offensive lineman. We know that – is Gibbs going to play? I haven't seen – I think he's out again, I but out. I don't think it even matters. I don't think it does either. But I think that – I'm with you, Joe. I can go a light number, but I think Detroit's going to beat Tampa by more than a field goal. I think they win by a touchdown. Go quarter, 20. I guess. 25. 25's yeah, fine. I mean, make it worth our while. 25's fine. <laughs> you know, we've been winning. We can play with House's money a little bit. We can play with Gal- We can be reckless with Gal's money. Why not? So the ones that we played, Cincinnati minus two and a half, San Francisco minus nine and a half, Vegas minus two and a half, Philly minus seven, and Detroit minus three. We're on the uh, we're on a lot of the favorites, huh? We're on the favorites, given the points. All right, we've been rolling that way. Let's see if BZ mm-hmm. Money continues their hot streak of nine hundred and thirty-five dollars, eighteen six and one against the spread this year. All right, let's keep it on the Texans. What's the number one adjustment you need to see from the Texans this weekend against the Saints? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. It's the Killer Bees on 